righteousness is my only hope of righteousness at heaven's throne. Yeshua. Hi there, this is Brayden and Tally, the voice of my beloved podcast. We are we finished up the Song of Solomon last week and today we decided to do an overview to kind of wrap up um, this whole subject, the Song of Songs. Um, yeah, should we talk about, we've got some events coming up here. We're getting excited for Above Ruby's, not Colin and Nancy coming in. And Zadok. A couple weeks, and coming. Zadok's coming, yeah, we're excited. Uh, a couple weeks, and we've got Sukkot, and that's starting to fill up, so exciting things around here. S- the summer is busy. There's all kinds of, our community here is just hopping. We had a baby born last week and we've got all kinds of parties and I don't know, celebrating all kinds of things. It's super fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, lot to keep up with and busy. Yeah. Super fun and super busy. So, um, yeah, it's good, but, uh, yeah, we'll jump into this overview to kind of just put all the pieces together. Kind of, we'll see how this goes. Yeah, so here we are. We're just going to start in chapter one and just work through each chapter, kind of the highlights of each chapter. So chapter one, the bride starts out and she's wanting the king, right? She's, draw me after you. I want to run with you. And so this is the beginning of the journey. It reminds me of, you know, when we first born again. You know, mm-hmm. It's like, God, I want you to draw me to yourself. I want to, I want to go with you, right? That, that choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, she realizes her own deep need. She says, I'm dark, but lovely. She realizes that there's a beauty that God has put in her. Mm-hmm. And, but she also realizes there's these immaturities. There's these things that she's got to work through. Mm-hmm. And then the, this whole process begins yeah. in the cha- in chapter one of this maturing, the sanctification. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can see the insecurity that she has in the first chapter that you don't see that at all at the, at the end. Right. We just, we've been reading through Hebrews as a family just recently. We read this verse this morning. It says that he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. <laughs> just mm-hmm. an interesting concept that, uh, you know, we're born again. We receive the righteousness of God through Yeshua, but then we're still on that journey of sanctification. And so that verse in Hebrews really does uh, speak to that. And mm-hmm. this is the journey of the bride. She realizes that there's been this loveliness imparted to her, right? Just, right. just to be accepted in the beloved mm-hmm. right and and but but she's also in that journey of sanctification yeah. and that's us as well you know we we receive the righteousness of god but we're still being sanctified mm-hmm. he, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified yeah. <laughs> so. yeah and i love with this whole story too it's not like well if the bride was really good she could have skipped chapter one you know it's like <laughs> right. i love the importance of the whole journey like the insecurity that she feels the kind of timid you know, that timidness that she has at the beginning, it's like it was right for that part of the journey, you know, but she's going to keep on the journey. And um, yeah, I just love how, you know, it's not like she had something wrong with her that, uh, that she went through this part, you know? Um, So yeah, it's a good, it's a good story. Yeah. I like how Psalm 40 ties into this. It says, but I am poor and needy yet the Lord thinks upon me. Mm-hmm. And how often we can relate to that, right? You know, we just feel like, oh God, yeah. we need your help. Uh, but just the revelation that God is thinking about us—that He hasn't forgotten us, mm-hmm. that He's still, you know, Psalm one thirty nine. Mm-hmm. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! Yeah, 
if I should count them, they would be more in number than the sands. Mm-hmm. Just an incredible truth that we find in the word that God, he has so many thoughts about us. And so I just see the bride here in that spot. It's like, yes, I'm in need of sanctification. I'm in need of growth. Mm-hmm. But wow, God thinks about me. He sees beauty in me and he's calling that forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So going on to chapter two, so she finds rest under the apple tree and it's something that she actually refers to later on. And, you know, and the bridegroom tells her, I awakened you under that apple tree. That was your place of spiritual awakening mm-hmm. when you experienced that undeserved grace. You know, he just sat right. down and just ate of that fruit that I had provided. So she finds rest there. And that's, that's us as well. We find rest in the, in that shade, you know, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is the hope that we have. She's confident in love. Mm-hmm. You know, his banner over me is love. Basically the way that he sees me, the lens that he sees me through is love. Mm-hmm. And that's the hard times. That's the good times. He's doing it all for my good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that revelation of Romans, right? Everything is working together for my good. Mm-hmm. And wow, if you can have that perspective every day, you can live an overcoming life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but you also see here that the confidence, it's like a, it's a good confidence that she's confident in her bridegroom. At the same time, there's like a, it's a, a little bit of a shaky confidence because it doesn't really hold. <laughs> like the next part here is where she's not really willing to go. He calls her out of the comfort zone. Yeah. And so you can see that it's not, she's kind of shaky with it. You know, she's, she's, I don't know. It's an immature confidence, but it's, it's a good one still, you know, cause you know, she needs to embrace that, but, um, but then it's tested. And so, yeah. Right. I like in chapter two, the bridegroom speaking affirmation over her and this phrase, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. Mm-hmm. You know, just that, that, that affirming statement that he loves to hear mm-hmm. her praise. He loves to hear her speak. He loves to see her face. You know, as, he, as she turns her face to him, she's just, he, he enjoys that. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's such a, a fuel for prayer. That's such a fuel for worship to know that the creator longs to be with us. It's mm-hmm. just an amazing yeah. thing. Yeah, and it's necessary to, to go on the journey, understanding that his heart is that way towards you. Right. So, so then wrapping up chapter two, uh, she goes into these, the mountains of Bater, right? The mountains, he does, right? he does yeah. He goes, he goes into up. the, yeah, these mountains of separation. Uh, but she tells him, yeah, go into the mountains of Bater until the day breaks and the shadows flee away. Uh, the shadows speaking of, you know, you're not in the full light yet. You know, there's, there's the, until these shadows flee away, you know, until we're going to have to. Until it's not scary anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll wait here. You go do the hard stuff. <laughs> right. It's neat. Later on in the book, how it talks about uh, the noonday sun. She, you're, the bridegroom tells her you're shining as the noonday, right? As uh-huh. the, I'm pretty sure or something like that. But here, there's shadows. There's still this not completely standing in that, in that brightness at right. this point. Right. Yeah. 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 So they go into this uh, time of separation. And then she's found without him. And, um, is this the place where he comes knocking or is this a different, place? uh, we're going to chapter three, chapter three. Well, she, she goes and looking for him, right? She goes looking for him. Okay. Right. So they're separated 
and he, he calls her to rise, right? And then in chapter three, it opens up. You know, she's distraught, right? She, you know, I'm, I'm on my bed in the night. I've sought the one I love. I can't find him. Okay. I will rise now, right? Mm-hmm. She's, she's basically, I'm going to obey now because I can't bear the she's thought of living without him. without him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was just flipping back uh, in reference to that uh, whole thing of the shadows. I don't know if it says noonday. It just says, um, who is this who shines forth as the sun? Okay. So, yeah, yeah but it's just this idea of, if she's signing forth the sun, there's no more shadows. You know, right, the shadows right. are gone at the mm-hmm. end. Yeah. And uh, just that place of, you know, in the beginning of our journey, we have those besetting sins sometimes, but mm-hmm. the bride's in this journey and the body of Christ is on this journey mm-hmm. where those shadows are going to become smaller mm-hmm. and we're going to shine forth as the sun. Right. right. Eventually. Mm-hmm. Yep. So now she's um, without him. She realizes the loss and then she goes to find him. And, you know, that's such an important part. I think that's uh, really represents the testing of our faith at times, which, you know, we can see this whole story kind of play out. Um, you know, it's, it's not like in chronic, chronological order that our walk doesn't right. look like this. We can see different aspects of the walk throughout our life, you know. Right. We can relate but, to a certain season. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And I feel like there's like, I don't know, God works, you know, he works in these cyclical patterns, you know, where... And layer, I feel like it's like kind of like layers, like he deals with a layer of this problem, but then it comes up again in a different way and right. then you got to deal with it again. And, um, but anyways, yeah, I can see this as like a faith crisis, like someone who, you know, there's a separation there and they feel the separation and you can either self-medicate and find something else to fill the void, which I think is where Americans kind of. Uh, there's so default. many, it's the default. yeah, it's the default. <laughs> it's like, that's where Americans go. They, they, there's so many things out there to medicate right now. You can just watch bunches of movies. You can, um, I mean, you can do anything. There's, there's hobbies, there's, you know, video games, there's the, all kinds of things that you can do to just fill that void that you, that you feel. And that's what happens in a, you know, a rich culture is, um, money, you know, you got all kinds of things to, to right. You don't feel the, you don't, you, you don't really, um, you don't feel the reality of where you're at necessarily. Right. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Yeah. So she, but she's realizing there's a void here. I'm going to go find him. Right. I'm not going to try to, you know, fix it or ignore it or make it go away. And I'm realizing there's a loss. There's a lack in my life and I know it's only filled with him. I'm going to go find him. Yeah, I'm thinking of Revelation where it says, don't forget your first love, you know? Yeah. And uh, there's this call for each one of us just to go back to that place of, Mm -hmm. you know, being in the apple, under the apple tree, remembering his banner over us is love. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a constant need just to come back to that. And uh, Mm -hmm. it's really, really important. Yep. So she finds him. She rises in obedience now. She goes find him and she she ends up finding him. She clings to him. It's this Mm -hmm. reunion there. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of chapter three, the bridegroom's coming up from the wilderness. And this is a picture of Yeshua. He went through this world. He walked as a man, as a human in mm-hmm. this world. And he came up victorious from the wilderness. Uh, literally, you know, he spent 40 days in the wilderness. But then just the, he experienced the, the hardships. He experienced death, right? He experienced the suffering of humanity uh, to, in order to redeem us from that. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. that's, that's what's pictured here at the uh, at the in, end in this place of separation you know which um 
you see even um, with Yeshua, you know, when he's on the tree and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And um, just that place of like, you know, Yeshua went to this barren alone place to, right. to, to get the victory. And, right. um, you know, he was purchasing his bride at that time. And that was in the time of, of separation, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, he did this great work when we, you know, we, we failed. <laughs> right. We, we failed. Yeah. I love that whole list. You know, he bore our shame yeah. so that we could know, uh, freedom yeah. from shame. He, he bore our death so that we could know life. Yeah. He bore our sickness so that we could know health. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just all these different things. Uh, he bore our poverty so that we could know the riches of God. Right. Uh, there's so many things that he bore so that we can then receive the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's just the power. You know, we're, we're coming up on the day of atonement here uh, coming up fairly shortly, you know, a couple mm-hmm. uh, month or so, but uh, a powerful book. I recommend it. If you can get your hands on it, it's called atonement by Derek Prince, but he just goes through each one of those things that Yeshua paid for so that we could have the opposite. Mm-hmm. And it's just a powerful thing just to remind ourselves of how much, how great a price he paid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. amen. So we're moving on to chapter four. So in this chapter, the bridegroom is praising the bride, uh, just speaking so much affirmation over her. Which I'm sure she needs because she's like realizes she left him. And, or she didn't go with him. Or she, yeah. yeah, she didn't go with him. She let him go alone. And then seeing him come up triumphantly and then, she, you know, she probably, you know, struggling with this beating herself up kind of a thing. Right. But he comes right in and just starts praising her, you know, like just really right. affirming his love is still for her, that right. it's not like he's going to make her pay for this. He's going to, you know, um, but she now realizes his great love so she can go on, go on right. the journey, go right. on in the relationship. Right. I love the verse where it talks about, I will go my way to the mountain of myrrh. And then realizing in Hebrew that that was actually elechli, which is actually, I will go to me. Mm-hmm. Like I, we broke it down in a previous podcast, but Abraham's, there's a whole Torah portion called Lech Lecha, which literally in Hebrew means go to you. Mm-hmm. And it's just translated in English. If you read Genesis chapter 12, it says, uh, go. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what the English translates. But in Hebrew, it's Lech Lecha, which literally means go to you. And here the bride, she's following after the bridegroom. And she says, Elech Li, I will go to me. And so mm-hmm. in this place of, the mountain of myrrh, we wrote down the mountain of myrrh, meaning this place of willing to make sacrifices in pursuit. Mm-hmm. Then she's actually finding herself. <laughs> she's finding her true identity. Elechli, I will go to me. I will go to the mountain of myrrh. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what we find. You know, read these. We've been reading these stories over the past couple of years of these people that lived radically obedient lives to the call. call and it's just like Yeshua said, he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Right. And this is what we see the bride. She's finding her true identity mm-hmm. and living a life of sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's so, so good. Yeah, that's good. She says uh, a garden enclosed or the bridegroom speaks over her. A garden enclosed is my sister, my bride. And uh, this is just speaking of her, her keeping herself, right? She's, she's not just uh, allowing anything into her life. Mm -hmm. And uh, then going along with the last chapter, we just went over in chapter eight, which says, I am a wall, right? She's a garden enclosed. She's, she has this 
she has boundaries in her life where she's not just allowing the filth of the world mm-hmm. to contaminate her. Yeah. Um, she has a heart to reach people, I believe, but mm-hmm. there's that, there's that place of, Hey, I'm not allowing the contamination to enter into my own heart mm-hmm. and I'm going to keep myself for my bridegroom. Yeah. Yeah. And you can c- kind of see that she's, um, you know, at the very beginning here, these first couple chapters, um, the, it really isn't costing the bride anything at that point. Um, like she, this whole relationship is pretty much solely on, I've just got this great bridegroom and he's everything and he's wonderful. And it comes to this point and you see more of the other side of that. Like I, I'm a, a garden enclosed, um, you know, that there's more of a like, this is me. I want to guard this this thing. I want to guard this relationship. This is important to me. I'm going to go to the mountain of myrrh. Um, and then this next part, um, welcoming the winds to come and blow, Right. you know, um, she's, she's saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to, I'm willing to go. I'm willing to, to sacrifice. And yeah, I would say it's contrary to human nature to pursue things that don't benefit us directly, you know, as far as in our flesh, right. Oh, <laughs> we, yeah. You know, we tend to do things even sometimes we do things for other people because we expect to get something in return, right? right? You know? <laughs> we just want to feel good about ourselves. Too. Yeah. But here we see the bride increasingly having this revelation that I'm mm-hmm. in it not just for what I get out of it. Mm-hmm. I'm in it because he is worthy. Right. He's worthy that I live a life of sacrifice mm-hmm. uh, because she has a revelation of how much he sacrificed for her, mm-hmm. right? And uh, so there's, this, there's something very powerful in knowing that. Mm-hmm. So as Tally mentioned, she welcomes the north and the south winds to blow upon her. She's going to blow upon my garden that its spices mm-hmm. may flow out. The spices, speaking of worship, uh, she's saying, basically, I want my life to be a fragrant offering of praise to my bridegroom. And whether that takes good times or bad times, let them come. And I just want to be open to, mm-hmm. to that because I want my life to be a worship to you. Right. I think of the song that says, I make my life a prayer to you. And that this is the heart of the bride. Uh, in Psalm 109, it says, it's just another little interesting Hebrew thing. It says, um, I give myself to prayer So in the English, but in the Hebrew, it actually says, Ani tefillah, I am prayer, mm-hmm. right? This is, this is my identity. Mm-hmm. My life is a prayer. Right. And uh, this is the heart of the bride. She wants her life just to be a living worship, a living prayer uh, to God. Mm-hmm. Going on to chapter five. So chapter five gets into the second separation. So she's, separated again from the bridegroom this time not because of disobedience right she, she's not refusing to go with him mm-hmm. there's just this uh separation that happens and they uh, uh she's under misunderstood in this context mm-hmm. of being separated from the bridegroom she's going out looking for him mm-hmm. and the bridegroom the or the uh, watchman they find her and they're like what are you doing out you know what are you, a woman doing out here you know wandering around in the streets mm-hmm. they says they even strike her totally misunderstood. Her motives are misunderstood. Mm -hmm. Uh, But she seems to not lose touch with, I'm still a bride in love, right? Mm -hmm. That love is what enables her to hold, hold fast, to not give up on the pursuit, to not give up even on the people of God, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Uh, By continuing to choose love, she is able to overcome all the things that could have just shut her down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting thing, you know, because the the second separation is almost like um, she's recognizing her debt that she has towards the bridegroom. Like, 
um, she recognized, not that, you know, that's a debt can, that can ever be filled or anything, but like that, um, wow, he's done this for me. Like, um, we love him because he first loved us. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Like he went and fought the fight and came up victorious with his valiant men and, um, and stuff. And, and so now she's like, I can do this. Like I can do this for him. He did this for me. And I can do this for him. I can, I can go through these, these trials and, um, you know, be put in these, these times of, of struggle and do it because he's, he did it for us first. Right. Then she asks, you know, what is your beloved more than another beloved by the daughters? And she says, oh, my beloved is white and ready. She goes in this whole, this amazing praise of the bridegroom. And uh, such a beautiful, there's so many beautiful pictures in all this. Mm-hmm. And I just love how she closes it. He is altogether lovely. This is my beloved. This is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So, wow. I, I love how that, it was just like on the tip of her tongue. Like, please yeah. ask me, ask me about him, you know? Yeah. And she was just like, oh, gushing, you know? Yeah, <laughs> and I think it's the, the challenge for me is to live a life that when people you know, that, that sparks the question, right? Yeah. And for us, you know, if those are listening, live a life that sparks that question right, from right. those around you, whether it's unbelievers, mm-hmm. maybe it's uh, younger brothers and sisters. W- mm-hmm. What is he? You know, what, what is your beloved more than another beloved? There's a lot of other interesting things in this world, but mm-hmm. what is he got that's so attractive to you? Yeah. And then you can, you can answer him and say, wow, he's amazing. He changed my life. He's glorious. Right. You know, you can also tell where her meditations are too, right. because if she's going through all these trials here and all she's thinking about herself and how sorry she's feeling for herself and you know, um, she, she could have had different meditations, but she's actually through this whole trial, she's meditating on the goodness of her beloved. And because she answers right away, she's got an answer to it. Right. Um, she's not struggling, you know? Yeah. So yeah, the importance of just where meditations are. Right. Then going to chapter six. So the daughters of Jerusalem first ask in chapter five, what is your beloved? Now they're asking, where has your beloved gone? And she tells them, well, my beloved has gone down to his garden. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's, that's where he's, he's gone. Uh, then it goes on chapter six and the beloved appears suddenly and to the bridegroom speaking to her again or to the bride speaking to her and just affirmation again. Uh, oh, my love, you're as beautiful as Tirza. Mm-hmm. Uh, just speaking praise over her. Mm-hmm. And then uh, going down to the end of chapter six, it's talking about how the, uh, she's going to go down now. So I, I'm going to go down. What's the what verse is that? Verse 11. I went down to the garden of nuts. And so just like the bridegroom, you know, she's telling the daughters of Jerusalem in the beginning, he's gone down to his garden. Mm-hmm. Now at the end of chapter six, now I'm going down to the garden too. And there's this, you don't catch it in the English and some translations, but in, in the beginning of chapter six, it is the word Yarad, which is down. Mm-hmm. So the bridegroom is described as going down. It's like he's, he's in some ways is Psalm 113. He humbles himself to behold the right. things that are in the earth. Mm-hmm. He's just stooping down to relate to humanity. Mm-hmm. To relate and, to the bride too. Right? Yeah. And, and now the bride, even though she's on this kind of like high, you could say, mm-hmm. but she said, I, I'm going to go down too. And I just think of all the people that God calls to minister to the least of these. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to go down too. If the bridegroom's gone down, he's, he's condescending. He's, you know, condescending is not the right word. He's, he's humbling himself, right? Mm-hmm, right. 
you know, he, he deserves to be with the highest of the high, right? right? But he's humbling himself to reach down to those that are much lower. And, and the bride is following his footsteps. She's going to go minister to the needy. And uh, that's what I see in this chapter. Mm-hmm. Yep. So then going on to chapter seven, uh, speak, she, the bridegroom is speaking affirmation again. There's a lot of affirmation you know, of, <laughs> throughout the song. And uh, just really speaks of the need that people have for encouragement. You know, I, right. I think of the exhortation that Paul gives, you know, desire to prophesy above everything. Right? Mm-hmm. There's all these gifts, but prophecy. You need right. to be prophesying, encouraging people. Uh, that's going to be the thing that is really the most important. And uh, that's what we see in this song. And uh, that goes for, you know, marriages. That goes for just relationships in general. Mm-hmm. We need to seek to encourage. And I, I'm speaking to myself, you know, that God would help me to encourage those around me. Yeah. That's really what's needed. Yeah. I also just a pattern throughout, I think we've talked about this before, but um, throughout the whole book is he is speaking directly to her. And when she is praising the bridegroom, she is kind of sharing it with other people that are around her. Mm. And, um, and just that whole uh, pattern, you know, that God speaks to us and he affirms us in such a um, specific way. Uh, he leads us so specifically. He knows our specific path and our specific journey. And, um, and it's such an awesome, an awesome thing how he does that with each one, one of us. That he speaks to us directly. Um, but then with her, how her overflow of love um, goes and spills onto all the people around her. Like she's so in love with him that she just can't help, but continually praise him to all the people that are surrounded by her through her whole journey. It happens through the whole journey that she's speaking of his goodness. Right. It's not just a vertical. Yeah. And for us, it's not just vertical. There's a horizontal element. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is such a neat thing about the book. It's not a two person book. There's other people involved. Right. There's a whole, this is a whole community that's walking through this whole story. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it just really is neat how it, uh, encourages just, you know, that, that personal prayer time and that personal relationship with Yeshua is so important, but it's not all that he's called us to here. There's like a whole, you know, the whole body of believers that there is a part of this whole story right. as well. Right. I like how in chapter seven, it opens up talking about the feet, you know, cause here previously in chapter six, it was talking about going down to the garden, basically representing where the people are. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but here that's what she's praised for. You know, how beautiful are your feet in sandals? Uh, the, the bride is walking in this, you know, feet shod with the gospel of peace. You know, uh, that's a, that's a powerful thing. So then mm-hmm. going on in chapter seven, she, she's, uh, making this statement, that's one of the most powerful, I believe, in the whole, the whole song. I am my beloved's, and his desire is toward me. Mm-hmm. And that we broke that down that whole Hebrew word, shukato, uh, his passion. You could translate it mm-hmm. as his passion is for me. She is convinced here at the end of her journey that the bridegroom has such passion for her. Mm-hmm. And I believe that revelation is what's fueling her to end strong, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we can look at all the stories in the Bible and there's not a whole lot that really ends strong, you know, mm-hmm. and I can even, you know, just looking, observing the path that people choose in the believing community today. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's an amazing thing to see someone actually finish the race strong. And uh, I believe one of the keys to that 
is having this revelation mm -hmm. that I am my beloved's and his passion is for me. Uh, you can wake up in the morning and you can be going through a lot of trials. You can be going through a lot of difficult things, but if you have that confidence that his desire is for you, then that there's a lot of energy. There's a lot of uh, motivation that can come from that. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. And such a, um, yeah, just such a, a neat, a uh, statement place to arrive after this whole journey. You know, it's like, uh, um, like she had confidence at the beginning of the journey, but to be at this point where it's like, it's like, it's much more uh, founded. It's much more uh, rooted and grounded in love um, because of the journey, because of going through these trials, because of, you know, so I think that's a big part of something, you know, as we look in our own lives, that that's a work that God is doing. He's trying to establish our, our feet on, on the solid rock. When he brings us through life situations, he wants us to lean on him so that uh, we can grow in confidence just as she did as she went through this whole, this story. Right. Yeah, so then last chapter here, chapter eight, she comes up from the wilderness. It said, who is this coming up from the wilderness, leaning upon her beloved? So just like the beloved earlier in chapter three came up from the wilderness, mm -hmm. he made the way for her. Now she's leaning upon him. She's leaning upon that work that he accomplished for her mm -hmm. to finish strong. Yeah. And so I think that's so key to remember through it all is that the bride is made ready by leaning upon her beloved, by trusting in him for her sanctification, mm -hmm. for her righteousness. Uh, this is so, so key. Yeah. She can't do it on her own. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And this really um, goes to show that, <laughs> you know, the whole gospel message that is preached that acts like you can escape the wilderness, that there's not going to be a wilderness for believers. Uh, it's not something necessarily that, you know, the whole prosperity uh, gospel, um, it doesn't really line up with a lot of the, what we see in the, in the biblical, um, in the biblical story here. We, uh, you know, she, she's going through the wilderness, but she's leaning on her beloved. You know, it's, it's right. the beauty of it that, it, the the wilderness is hard, but the fact that he gets you through the wilderness is what draws us to him, is what um, establishes that love to make the love so it's not, um, it's not fickle and it's not immature and it's not um, flighty, but it's a, a, a grounded love. Right. Yeah, I'm thinking of Jeremiah 2 where it talks about you went after me in the wilderness, mm -hmm. right? The people of Israel. Yeah. Uh, this is the time of your betrothal. Right. And so there's a sense of, I made you lean really, you know, they had to lean on God. Right. He was providing for every one of their needs. Mm -hmm. They couldn't think that, oh, you know, we can do this on our own. We don't need God. Right, <laughs> you know, they'll right. just die. Right? Uh -huh. And so that's the bride here. She's leaning upon him. She, she knows that she has to have him. Mm -hmm. yep. So then going on in chapter eight, uh, there's this truth spoken that, you know, you, a man could give all the wealth of his house for love would be utterly despised. Mm -hmm. It's just, in comparison, you know, love, riches on the scale, love wins, you know, Every by time. far. <laughs> uh, love is just so much more valuable Even than any movies. kind of riches. <laughs> Even some of the movies catch that. Right. Come on. <laughs> right. When you tap into love, you're tapping into the essence of why you exist. Right. Of, you know, really what makes every human being's heart tick mm -hmm. when, they, when they really can get down to the bottom of it. Right. You know, may, maybe not everyone realizes that. But that is the way that humanity is hardwired. It doesn't matter what personality type you are. It right. doesn't matter what. <laughs> but what makes you really, at the end of the day, what makes you work is love. Mm 
Right. And when that's taken away, when you don't feel like people love you, when you don't feel like God loves you, all that, then you start breaking down. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, but the, the Song of Songs emphasizes that over and over, but here at the end makes this very powerful statement. Mm-hmm. And it speaks of love as being the very flame of God, right? Shalhevit Yah, the flame of Yah. And this is what the bride, she has burning in her heart, right? Um, I think of the two men on the road to Emmaus, did our hearts not burn as he was speaking the word to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's our prayer for those that have listened to this series. And uh, just as we go forward from here, we're going to take a break from podcasting for a little bit, mm-hmm. probably pick back up after Sukkot sometime in a couple months. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Pray this has been a, a blessing to you. May your heart's cry be just like the bride at the end here of chapter eight. Make haste, my beloved, of uh, just longing for the beloved to come. He's coming. Mm-hmm. This is Brayden and Tally reminding you to listen to the voice of your beloved bridegroom. He's coming quickly. <laughs> <laughs>